This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to the show, where we talk about our favorite TV shows with our friends. In today's episode, we are covering episode four and five of Netflix original show, Lilyhammer. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to my good friend, Eli, because this is your show. I did pick this show, Steve, didn't I? And you we did. are, wow, now I guess halfway through this first season of Lilyhammer. We're cruising. We're cruising. And even at, you know, a longer 45-minute or so episode, this seems to breeze by. And, uh, yeah, I have not had any moments yet re-watching where uh, it felt long or uh, slow even, given this setting. So, Steve... Let's dive into four and five, hot on the heels of this deepening, deepening story about Johnny Frank and Lily Hammer. Uh, we get into some new topics and stories in four and five. So tell me your first thoughts as you dove into these next chapters. Yes, definitely dive into more deeper, intrinsic storylines. A lot more going on for our main man, Frank the Fixer, a.k.a. Giovanni, or Johnny, as he's known in Lilyhammer. <laughs> this show is a lot of fun, and if we keep talking about it in the context that it was the first Netflix original production, yeah. um, it's also the very first uh binge worthy show right like mm. it, this there was no binging tv shows until netflix released all its shows at once in the way they did on their website so like this was actually right. the first show that you could binge and and if we weren't doing these kind of two at a time and then recording a podcast i could totally see being in binge mode with this show because they just roll so easy but it's really a fun watch especially in this context that this is the early days of Netflix. So there's no yeah. option to s skip the intro. Like right. there's just a bunch of cute, like older <laughs> 2010 things about the show that I think is kind of funny. Um, the good news is I like the intro. They do a great job of kind of recapping what you need to know yeah. in the way that shows do. And the music and that tunnel shot going into Lilyhammer. It's just, it's my favorite shot of the series and you get to see it every episode. It's really beautiful, and the music's so fun, and uh, I kind of got lost in it one episode, and then I realized, mm. wait, like I'm seeing Norway, but this music is actually, you know, the second part of the music is more Irish, really, but it still evokes this, like, uh, pastoral Northern Europe. Um, Scandinavia, obviously, is where we're seeing Norway, but the music is really fun because it takes you from... New York into Europe and does so in a way that you don't even really realize that you're like probably not listening to Norwegian music, right? 
<laughs> yeah. It was like bagpipes and, he, and uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and as an American, it's just not a Europe that we're really familiar with or used to. You know, yeah. it's not that going to Paris, going to London, you know, like whatever we're watching that is taking us to these standard European countries, Spain, you know, this is just a different vibe and it's really cool. And they just keep throwing stuff at my man, Frank, the fixer <laughs> here. And he's just handling it the best he can and, That's right. and rolling with the punches. And uh, this episode four, um, I think starts off in a very, a very funny way. They just, Get into yeah. these realistic <laughs> situational comedies here. So is yeah. So Sigrid, uh, his girlfriend is pregnant, and we open you know at the hospital meeting with who you think is kind of an intake nurse, like, and then you find out it's it's the midwife, and right. it's a male male midwife. Yeah, and the casting is so great too on the character. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, not only is oh, he love- male, but he's just like long-haired, bushy eyebrow, just looks like very not what you picture an American midwife to be. Right? Oh, uh, totally. Big, yeah. Hairy. Norwegian. Like a, Vi- like a Viking. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it's really a <laughs> funny picture. And Johnny is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, it creates... It brought something up that's interesting, I feel like, for the dynamic and the environment of this show and how it's set in this place where everyone's super nice and cordial, right? right? But if you step out of line or if you're rude, they kind of turn on you pretty quickly. Like in this hospital situation, it's all good. As soon as he has a problem, then they just bounce him right out of there. And it's sort of this, you know, they're uh, a culture that doesn't, suffer fools and doesn't take um doesn't take offense lightly like yeah. they're they're a pride they're proud people yeah and like this episode shows that in a bunch of different ways it shows it at the people at the hospital it shows it with the night ravens that local community watch group so right good. that leader there <laughs> yeah like all, yeah. And how that all comes back around but it just we've been into this underbelly world and the police world a lot Right. Of, of Lilyhammer, right? But now I feel like episode four brought up was the actual real culture of the place mm-hmm. and yeah. what they're about as a people. Yeah, and fascinatingly, now of course this, as you know, we have noted, is created um, by people who are ostensibly Norwegian, right? And so mm-hmm. we're inferring that um, this is all true. Of course, you and I don't know <laughs> anything no. about Norway. But this is what the show is telling us. <laughs> are you saying that everything you see on television is not the truth? <laughs> well, who knows? I'd like to think of this in the same way that, you know, an American show like, I'm going to throw out a wild one, like Portlandia, right? Okay. I saw that show and I thought it was like lampooning living in Portland and that culture. But then I lived in Portland for a year and it's no joke. Like that show is for real. and i kind of take this to be the same way to where this seems silly and some of these situations especially because johnny is in them seem so silly but you look at you know the creators names and like one of the main creators and contributors is gayer like so they're using their real names so why you know i'm sure it's like it's a fun story and they're embellishing but i like to think of it as they're showing us these salient funny parts of norwegian culture 
truly because they know from, you know, yeah. being Norwegian. But of course we don't know. And uh, we have to just trust them that this is the way it is and would be yeah. in Norway. And the way that, that, jo- that Johnny, you know, that Steve Van Zandt's character would bump up against this. And you know what we have, Steve, in this episode is we have actual cultural differences. Yeah, totally. And I certainly don't know for sure whether this is accurate or not, but I found the bookend of this episode when after they were sort of kicked out by the hospital, right? Sent to a different hospital. Mm -hmm. And he does all these shenanigans to get himself back in without secret knowing, just get back with that midwife and in that hospital situation and that the main doctor, the head doctor comes around and sees them and is like, oh, what are they doing here? Like, what what's going on? Like, as in the subtext being, I kicked them out and I right. made sure I was never going to have to see this guy ever again. And then the guy's like, <laughs> oh, I got the paperwork here. It's all good. And then she does a kind of once over, looks down, sees that he has the gloves on the shoes, right? Mm-hmm. The bags on the shoes. Yeah. And she And she says, and this is one of the last lines of the episode, she's like, well, everything looks in order here. And then kind of smiling and complete. And it's just sort of like, this is the way we do it. And we need everyone to do it this way because this is the right way to do it. And yeah. there's a, you know, I, 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 and whether or not that's 100% accurate, like, I mean, I would bet it is, but I don't know. Sure. Um, I, it, yeah. it rang re- very true to me, like, and very real. Right. And it speaks to us, I feel, because that is not the way American yeah. culture is. And so it's, yeah, yeah, like it's a very different society in that way. And they're really showing this and you have this mafiosa, you know, tough guy, yeah. American, you know, and he's just literally smashing into this world. And it's, uh, it's funny, but it's also poignant. And I mean, there's, you think this is, almost 10 years ago, right? So shooting, Mm -hmm. shooting that this is 10 years ago, right? This is a decade ago. And some of the things they're dealing with, even though Johnny does come off a little like old school and sometimes a little cringy views around Mm -hmm. women aren't always the best, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they are, yeah, they are making a point and they are really, uh, I feel like subtly, showing these cultural differences so that we can understand kind of the the flaws in both in a way. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw those shoe coverings at the hospital, I was like, well, that's a good idea. We've been walking around, we're walking around in the hospitals with like our gross feet yeah. and our gross shoes with dirt and bacteria and germs. And it is, a, that is actually a main culture difference between here in Europe, where when you're in America and you're in public transit, you see nurses in OR scrubs, right? Like going to work. Yeah. And that's something that someone told me would never happen in Europe that right. you go to there, you go to work in your street clothes, you change into super clean and sterile OR scrubs. Like why would you be in those clothes in the subway and then helping a sick person? That doesn't make a lot of sense. And we do a lot of things in America that, you know, everything's like flashy and fast and convenient, but Personal convenience and um, personal containment uh, we've made so important for whatever reason. uh, Yeah, so we see see some really interesting cultural differences. And we also in this episode are uh, still going to have to deal with this uh, terrorist 
<laughs> thread, right? So um, we have this cropping up in a different way where um, this anti-Muslim fear and bias comes uh, into play because uh, the lawyer, Julius, is, or Julie, as Frank calls him, his son converts to Islam. And that's just an interesting little story piece. Um, that yeah, right? It gets yeah. personalized, this running theme of is radical Islam and Muslim being, you know, a, not judged or not, you know, viewed as not good or viewed as dangerous, right? And then um, so that when his son is converting to Islam, it's like the worst thing that could have happened to him. You know, he's like, he's in the bar and just drunk. And I, yeah, I do really like the the actor that plays the lawyer. I, th I think he's fun to watch. He's interesting. Like there's no scene with him that I'm not sort of engaged and think is funny. And I'm just kind of watching him because he's just such a character. He's yeah. such a, like, just char character features, you know, this character actor features that are so funny. He looks like a cartoon kind of. He does. And he's really uh, become a key player and we're getting this backstory on him actually through both episodes. Of course, we won't skip ahead yet, but mm -hmm. first with his son and we start to see, um, as we commented on last time, that softer uh, side of him. He's very like uh, kind of duplicitous in a way, uh, this like, you know, vicious, probably, you know, illegal <laughs> dealing lawyer, <laughs> right? This, or at least cutthroat. He's maybe not vicious ever, but he's like, cutthroat out for the money, shady dealing lawyer. And then he's also uh, got the sensitive side and family man. And so, yeah, his son converting, this really hits home. And of course he happens to be in the bar and relay this to our number one conspiracy theorist, anti-Islamic uh, Norwegian Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and, who's, yeah, who's there drowning his sorrows because he right. got suspended for six months, which yeah. was totally going to happen. He was so defiant in that, oh. um, in, in investigation. that investigation yeah. and arrogant. And it was like, I was like, wow, surprised yeah. I didn't. I mean, I guess six um, months suspension is pretty harsh for a police yeah. officer. So, but yeah, totally. they could have just you know, summarily dismissed him. And he, yeah, he goes down so <laughs> So hard, just wrong and yeah, interesting, wrong and strong. Inter <laughs> yeah, totally. An interesting episode for him. Um, with a, it was a moment I really thought was kind of telling when, you know, she sees him in the mall, yeah, drunk, trying to do Elvis and failing, and then she goes to check on him in his house, and there's he had a family, right, and everyone's name, like, name is crossed off except for his. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just thought it was like, oh, like there's so much this guy's been through, like his marriage failed. He's got this little job. Like there was so much behind his obsession mm -hmm. into like his job that led to like his downfall. And he was just like such a mess. Um, yeah. And I think it's, this episode is, uh, it's very mixed for him. And um, he's now, like, he gets the suspension and he's now become pitiable. Yeah. And he's no longer sort of dangerous to, you know, to Johnny. And um, he's just become pitiable in a way. And um, we start to really worry 
about him in this episode. And um, but there is that that brief uh, you know, happy moment where um, Hovland tells him she's bought him a ticket to Graceland. And yeah, that so moment touched. was cool. Yeah, yeah, and it really gave him. It was a wonderful gift, and you. You know, yeah, you had, he had kind of reached the bottom of the barrel there. So you had sort of, in a way, forgiven him for his tackling the main character and just being crazy. And he had got suspended and he's the bottom barrel. You realize he's obviously had a marriage that's failed and kids and a family that lives somewhere else now. And yeah, they, they did a good job of, of really garnering some sympathy for him and then and then uh, ray of hope, right? With this trip, it's like go to go to Memphis, like yeah. do something for yourself, so that you can feel good about yourself and come back and get a fresh start in this job. And <laughs> and I even even just to keep going with Gary, I mean, like and and it all was happening, at, you know, at the, at the airport, and he befriends the Muslim. Right first, he thinks there's something ticking in the bag, and then yeah, I think Sikh the guy, actually. The guy says, "I'm just." A Oh, Sikh. That's yeah. right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he wasn't Muslim, but it mm-hmm. it was. I you know they they did a good job of of creating this misdirect. Essentially, it's that that he you know was really changing. You yeah. know, with this vibe like, oh, he's starting the strip, and he's like making a friend with someone that he would have normally thought was dangerous. You know, and now it's he's changing, and this is great. And this is great, and he's just still drinking, still, still like, drinking. yeah, like kind of still spiraling, you know, yeah. at the same time. So it was an interesting sequence of him on that plane for sure. Yeah, it really is. And uh, of course he keeps spiraling, uh, unfortunately. And uh, so in this, he, he had, and this part was unclear. So yeah, yeah so that he, he had to make, they had to fill out like a custom, you know, like, or entry border entry form. Right. He and he was kind of, yeah, and he was like playing around with the terrorist question and trying yeah. to be funny with it. Yeah. But did you catch like what the question actually was? It was something like, uh, have you ever been involved in any terrorist activities? Right, or known, something like known terrorist or something. No, I think it was just straight up like, have you ever been involved in terrorist activities? Oh, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I, it's something like very... Direct, straightforward. You like need to answer no on. Um, yeah, and so as a joke, he said yes because he was like a poli- investigating a terror activity. So he put down yes, and then that just led to him being detained as soon as he got there. Yeah, um, which of course is what would happen. Yeah, and like, and and even with this new friend, he just took it all too far. The friend was just like, "Dude, I don't know you. Like, we're, yeah. we're, you know, we're just sitting together." But it was even that moment. Yeah, be like, oh, "I'm just gonna do yes," and the guy wasn't laughing anymore. He just kind of like looked over and watched him do that. You know, and it's just sort of like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, it's uh, man, they <laughs> they really uh, take this character deep and. Uh, yeah, the next episode obviously continues. So before we get uh, get there, uh, some other interesting stuff happens, and um, you know Johnny has a number of of different scenes where we see him uh, kind of you know moving and shaking and adapting to Norwegian culture, and uh, of course. <laughs> 
has an amazing, uh, amazing scene where uh, after going over to a dinner party, he yeah. feels he needs to give Jonas a pep talk about girls. <laughs> oh man, that one, that one was a funny one. Uh, and, and even at, there was some great moments in that uh, dinner scene too, where he was made to hold the baby. <laughs> that was a funny image. And the baby's yeah. just like wailing, crying. And he's like, uh, so it is this oh. thing that they're setting up this resistance to fatherhood that all of a sudden he's sort of thrust into yeah. this sort of simple family life domestication. Right. And then, right. And then, but yeah, that scene with him and Jonas, it's like, wow, they really, they've now taken it up another level. Right. The first advice was be violent against your, the bullies at school, you know, sock full of rocks, smash them in the face. And now he's talking about girls and it's like, you do not want this guy giving advice. Oh man. <laughs> to any, Women are any young man. food. Oh. They exist to inspire us. They're like a little treat at the end of the, oh man. Uh, that so, was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I think this is uh, a moment where I think it's a valid question has this uh, just not aged well, or are they just really leaning into like what this guy would probably say? Like Frank Tagliano, even in 2012, Frank the Fixer is going to say shit like this. Like, yeah, it I don't know. Seem, if, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem yeah. out of character. I don't know if this character, if it was written and released in 2021, would have said anything different, right? I mean, you're essentially just plucking this character out or archetype out of a right. show from <laughs> the Sopranos and putting him in, yeah. in Norway. It's just, it's, it's going to be the same stuff. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's, it was certainly what made the Sopranos kind of shocking and successful and funny at times, you know? And I think um, we don't, I think for me watching it and, and hitting it and being like, Whoa, I think, why it kind of shocked me in the moment watching it is it's a real departure from anything that's coming out right now for sure. sure. So I don't think, I think it's, it's, it's right on for the character and what the character would say in the situation. Yeah. Um, I just don't think this kind of content is necessarily being promoted or produced right now, ultimately. Um, but it is shown in other ways. I mean, there's some shows that I've been watching recently that show, male misogyn misogynism from the female point of view and it's intense and it's it's real you know i think i think this is meant to shock and be humorous and be like he here is this anti-father figure mm -hmm. for this young boy and it's this unsolicited advice that's just <laughs> terrible. I don't think it's meant to be like this is good advice. I think it's I think he's like giving him horrible life advice <laughs> because he's because he's a mobster. It's like there's just like a mobster in this kid's house who's a well, stepdad. Yeah, <laughs> and I do think it's important to um, to view it, you know, not only in the lens of this show and character, but uh, in the way they set it up, where he's like asked to go console. And like, kind of take this sad dad under his wing, right? And he's like, "Me? Like, I don't yeah. know what to say to this guy. Like, let, this let it out. Just fucking good to let it out. It's good to let things out. Yeah, right. So he's like, <laughs> I feel like he's trying to lean in. He's just like riffing, and he just like it's it's a hilarious scene in that, um, you know, this kid ostensibly understands English, but it's like this Norwegian farm boy, right? So. 
Uh, this kid is so like you know innocent and uh, unused to this, and then he just he, he gets so graphic. It, it is a funny. He it gets is funny so scene. like graphic. Yeah, and, it's um, absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. And I think in that way, um, it's certainly not meant to be like. Uh, it's not meant to make you feel great about Frank's character, but like, you know, that's the thing. He's Frank the Fixer, and um, it's it's sort of. Uh, we talked about how he has like high morals and standards and character, right? Yeah, and that's coming down. Yeah, in this episode and the next, <laughs> the, those those concepts take a real hit for sure. <laughs> I mean, or do they? It's just like, yeah, absolutely. And this is how it's applied, and this is what that means in that right. world. And right. um, I there are moments where I'm watching where I think about other mafia stories I've you know, seen or or heard or read and. Just these certain concepts like loyalty and family are mm. so sacred from what we've been, you know, sort of shown and told. Yeah. But then there's other things like that doesn't mean you don't screw around on your wife if you're a mob boss. Like you absolutely do, right? All these guys did, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting how that's like, yeah, um, it's a different standard. And uh, certainly from what we've seen, uh, a very like male dominated misogynistic uh, standard within American mafiosa as glorified by our television and media. So yeah, it makes sense, but yeah, it's a funny, uh, funny moment that I think it's so absurd in a way, even today we can still <laughs> just kind of laugh at how just like over the line and absurd this guy is and how hilarious it is in the setting context. Yeah, crazy absurd. And those two sequences where he kind of had a man to man um with the husband in the previous scene and then has the talk with with Jonas is it is high comedy. It is absurdist. It is like this, you know, these a sensitive man having a breakdown, having to talk to having to talk to Frank the Fixer, <laughs> a young boy, you know. Him probing life advice. It's it, it, you know, it's an absurdly funny um, scenario. So yeah, it really. Um, is. Yeah, this episode was cool, and they did a lot. Um, we talk about mini capers, and we talk about uh, before in in the series, and also we've talked about um, these really cool kind of guest star characters that are just sort of here for the one episode. You know, we had that mm. professor, the tree hugger before, and then now we have the midwife, and um, yeah, you know, Johnny. Of course, there's uh, young punks, graffiti punks, yep. tagging up the neighborhood, and in and his uh, work neighbor, he tells him about the Night Ravens, which is the community watch group. So he goes there. <laughs> I thought that that sequence was hysterical, especially when he had the bat. And <laughs> he's he was just, chafing he's like, the bat. What's, yeah, he's like, "What's the bat for?" He's like, "Well, you need. How are we going to bust heads? If we don't <laughs> We're like, nonviolent. We engage in dialogue. <laughs> yeah." Yeah, it's an amazing sequence, and <laughs> the way that um, yeah they weave back in the midwife, right, and um, then they end up in the middle of of a scrap. Um, that's it. Yeah, it's classic, um, classic comedy. But the way that it plays out in these episodes in Lillehammer, um, it's so much more endearing. Just like. Even just the actual shots and picture of this like tall, 
you know, Nordic man and and Johnny like scrapping with these punks because they one of them hit the old woman. You know, it's just like it's hilarious. The scene yeah. and the situation and just watching it play out. And, you know, it's not uh, these moments aren't unexpected. There are some surprises from time to time. Right. But these a lot of these moments aren't unexpected in this show, but they're still so fun and satisfying to watch <clears throat> play out. And the midwife actually like kind of gets into it, you know, and you can tell he kind of he kind of has fun a little breaking free. Uh, yeah, it was great. And then yeah. they got the reprimand by the guy, and that was a funny scene as well. And the way a it was shot. Raven. It was like, yeah, the three of them in a line, and the other guy, he seemed kind of taller than all of them in that sequence. And it was it was it was really well done. And yeah. of course, Johnny falls on the sword, yeah. endears himself to the midwife, yeah. and ultimately um this problem of getting reassigned back to this hospital has been solved yeah. um, completely, completely on his own, um, yeah. which was great. And then the big reveal at the end of the episode is if it wasn't enough that he was going to have a child, they're actually going to have twins, a, a boy, boy and, and a girl. A girl. <laughs> yeah. And so they really like are piling it on. I was like, Oh wow. Like, and it, and it, it got me back to being like, Oh sweet. Cause we were watching episode yeah. four and five. So to just jump right into five was awesome. Cause I was like, Oh, well, what's this going to, what is this going to add to the equation? And, yeah. And, um, yeah, absolutely. And so here we go. We, uh, one last thing at the end, um, as he's being questioned by the police. Oh, the big, the big lead. Yeah. He gets, he finally gets a break. Yeah. Right? Gear Elvis and his, yep. Gear finds out, uh, that Johnny is mafia. It organized crime. Like he's just been tipped off that he's organized crime. Yeah. So we, uh, we head straight into five and of course it's going to have its own capers and stories. Right. Um, but we definitely do get these, uh, big stories and threads picked up immediately. And, um, uh, we start though uh, with Johnny and Torgir, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course, like this this guy. Um, whenever we encounter uh, Thomas, is his name. This character, um, it often starts like this, and we know he's just like the slimiest, uh, squirmiest yeah. <laughs> guy involved in all these dealings. So um, he's under house arrest. We find out, right? And uh, so he's at his condo <laughs> on the mountain and he's just raging. And so that's, that's where we start episode five, Steve. So uh, tell yeah. me what, uh, what you were thinking is, yeah, we're pretty much just like continuing for the most part um, at the start, but we've got this new wrinkle that, um, that something's going to go down with Thomas, right? Yeah, well, I mean, episode five was huge. So this was a pretty monumental huge. episode. So many thing hap- so many, so much happens. Yeah, um, we'll get to gear later, but um, just how it all unfolded and and uh, this opening sequence was interesting in the sense of this big this big house party that he was at, and it brings up this notion of right art as being valuable and you know, a good place to hide your money and 
And he's sort of, this guy is just so squirmy and shady. You know, you see almost get a sense of like, oh, don't contact anyone, any of his guys, like whoever his art dealer is, he's not going to be cool. Um, But uh, that, that set off a really interesting chain of events um, for Torin. And this was a cool episode for him as well. And I thought he was really, really funny um, in this episode uh, for sure. And then also it, did a lot to uh it was real kind of coming down to earth for who this character is because you know i've been calling him johnny this giovanni and he's kind of got this fresh start and lilyhammer but he really is frank the fixer and he really is this mob guy from new york who's got a huge dark background and so like this episode did a good job of just you know he's not he's an anti-hero you know and he's not really a good guy and he's not necessarily ready for this serious relationship that he's in and be a father figure and like all these things. And so he, uh, yeah, he kind of dogs it out at this party (laughs) and, and it was a little difficult to watch. I felt like they tried to execute this Tony Soprano thing where it's like the family man. And then he's got the Gumar like at night and the difference between this was like we had gone on this journey of him and Sigrid and yeah. them getting together and you're like invested and there was no like inkling that he was going to kind of act this way necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he and then he sort of does. But it, it certainly makes sense with the pressure of everything going on and the twins coming. Yeah. You know, her hitting him up, you know, to do domestic things and, and, um, so I was a little torn, you know, about uh, in that moment, you know, I'm like, okay, like, yep. There's a reality check for me. I'm like, I'm watching a show about a gangster and he's not a good person. And this is, this is what it is. Yeah. And I definitely feel like this, this episode kind of pushes that point home while also in a way showing that, you know, this is the way of it. And essentially anyone who's gotten involved with him in any serious manner um, has to, to some degree, have a sense of who he really is or know that. Um, yeah. Just from a almost just you know, instinctual uh, level. And who knows the, you know, depths of his depravity as like actually Frank the Fixer probably doesn't compare to necessarily their Norwegian society. However, I thought it was interesting because, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll dive deeper into this whole kind of circle, but this episode is a full circle for sure. And yeah. what happens again, uh, as happens in four, as something goes wrong and he makes it better. And by the end of the episode, it's pretty uh, clear. Like, um, you know, everyone's sort of happy with their place, right? And yeah, uh, yeah it's fascinating though because uh, we do, like, right up front in this episode, we have to confront who he actually is, and that comes across a lot with Sigrid, but also just in these different dealings the art dealings and the condo dealings 
Um, yeah, and it's a fine point you bring up because I didn't think about that. Even even uh, Singrid was there on the train for that very first moment when he turned around the slapped around that kid and then made him apologize. So she was witness to him and the way he operates, right, yeah. and how he lives his life. And it's not, you know, it should not be lost on her. No, and. And, uh, and so that's a good point you brought up and I didn't really even think about that until now. But it is tough to just see, yeah, see him like waking up that next morning. Yeah. Yeah. Fully clothed, but like, you know, kind of like blackout. It was this ambiguous sort of, sort of wake up. Like you just partied and whatever. So like, um, but yeah, well, let's, let's see what happens with, with him there and. Uh, maybe maybe when the twins are born, that could change things for him, but who knows? But we can't talk about uh, episode five of Lily Hammer without um, pouring one out for our boy. This, this, uh, it opening uh, for gear, he's now in New York City. So he, right. when he got that lead that, that Johnny was an organized crime, he just took off, went yeah. to New York City makes an appointment with the police. And of course, <laughs> all the police in New York are corrupt. <laughs> uh, that was uh, funny. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> and um, so that tips off Aldo that he's back. But I, I for this this little mini caper for gear in New York, yeah, um, I thought it was very interesting. And the... Um, the transsexual prostitute that he kind of connects with and begins, mm-hmm. you know, journeying around New York with, I mean, what an odd couple. And it was, it was just really funny to watch. And, and this part got me, like I was not expecting them. Spoiler alert. This whole show is a spoiler alert, but <laughs> the, to kill off Garen, New York city, like they just killed off or killed them off. And I was like, Oh man, in my mind, I was like, Wow, he's really gonna when he showed up in New York when that sequence happened. Yeah, I was like, oh, he really is the foil. He really is the antagonist. Like he's he's gonna figure this out and blow up his spot. You know what I mean? And then yeah, I just wasn't expecting that that would be his sole purpose, <laughs> and they would just end his character and that's it. Damn. Five five episodes in, boom. Yeah, and the way that they leave it, you don't even know if Hovland or anyone will know. They basically make it clear this body's getting disappeared. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brutal. And the mafia not only, you know, gets him, but from the uh, address tab of his fanny pack, Aldo finds out where Frank is. And sends the guys to Norway. So it's a, yeah, it's a rough, rough episode uh, for a character that uh, I had even given a nickname. And uh, I think we, he was endearing as much as he was an antagonist and uh, spiraling conspiracy theorist. And yeah, he dies uh, incidentally in uh, this ostensibly transsexual person's arms in New York City underground. Like, it's so sad. It's a a very uh, unceremonious end to this character. 
Yeah, and I think maybe he was calling out to like his ex-wife or something. There was some moment that he had at the end. It's a good it, that actor. He did a good job. Obviously, never seen him before, and he had quite the arc in this in these first five episodes of Willie Hammer, and he did the absolute yeah. most of it. And they did a good job with this character. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in Lillehammer, um, we also have. Uh, the caper w- oh, yeah. within and the episode. <laughs> there's multiple capers happening here because we got to get back to uh, the lawyer. What was the lawyer's name again? Julie. Julius. Yes, Julie. So, so Julie thinks he has cancer. Julie is so emotional I mean, <laughs> and dramatic. Come on, Julie. Um, no, not even waiting for the results from the right. doctor. Convinced anything. he has cancer. Just, yeah. And it was an interesting... <laughs> It was a really interesting uh, story arc or episode arc for him where he thinks he has cancer. So he sells out of the, out of the Bellevue estates and Bellevue condos and then finds out he doesn't have cancer, but has reunited his family, reunited with his son. They've begun this healing. So he can't kind of go back on it now. Uh, But Johnny figures it out with his doctor at the club and gets him to uh, buy him out, you know, gets him to give him all the money that he just received. And it was, <laughs> it was really interesting though. Like at the end, it just seemed really worth it for him. Like he had just healed like his whole family. Like he right. paid that money to like be happy again. It was a, it was an interesting thing. Yeah. Not like he wasn't like, um, I didn't, it was a real sense of being like, oh, wow, like this guy, that's what's important here for him. And he just achieved it and it cost him this, all this work and time and money, but like whatever, like he's super happy. So that was a cool juxtaposition of what was going on in that character's world right. uh, throughout this whole episode. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah. yeah, couched sort of within that is this art debacle, <laughs> oh, and, man. which is <laughs> amazing and hilarious. And I thought what was fascinating about all of this, and you know, you're really uh, right on, I think, when you uh, are pointing to this kind of personal and character development that happens for Julius. What's interesting is that Thomas, you know, our, our slimy party guy, yeah, he's really the bad guy in all this. Yeah, and, yeah, totally. You know, Johnny has that moment where he he basically realizes that Thomas has fucked him on both ends. Like he yeah. really screwed him over and you're like, Oh shit. Like what is Johnny going to do to him? Like the first time he just rang up a tab, they almost killed him. Like what's, you know, what's he going to do? So All I right. thought it was interesting though, that he, of course, you know, Johnny's fucking smart. Like he's no idiot. And, uh, he's not brute strength alone. He is actually really smart, really intuitive, really good at understanding the situation and reading people. So he puts this all together and comes up with this creative solution himself, actually. And that I thought was really fascinating because he, of course, meets the doctor by accident. And that's a very fortunate moment where he meets <laughs> Dr. Utsi. But... He puts everything together, and I think it's actually clear that Frank pays the no, gives the doctor the art, right? Yeah, 
So it's this crazy exchange and Frank engineers it all. And what's interesting is uh, Frank, rather than taking vengeance on Thomas, which seems like what Frank would do, in a way this kind of shows that maybe he is becoming Johnny because he figures Mm. out a way to work it all out where he shuffles everything to get back out of the condo with these shady characters, right? Yeah. To get out of the bad art deal and to end up with more cash probably than he started with. Because, of course, as Julius says, but my share was four times yours in Bellevue. Right, exactly. So if you think about if he, if this, if Thomas used the painting for his cut along with all those other people, you, you know, you'd be like, you know, times four or five or whatever it was of that amount of money. So he made out very well on that return of that one painting. <laughs> um, and, and he, and you're right, like, um, he is taking care of himself and it's, and it's very clear, like he doesn't need to kill this guy cause he can just push him 10 feet and he'll get arrested and he's out of the game. He's out of the equation and, yep. and, and, um, but yeah, I did, I dug the whole sequence of the art dealer and, um, and the sort of <laughs> bumbling of Torin and, and his exchanges with all these guys, I thought was super funny. And, uh, and I like seeing Johnny make out, you know, I like seeing him like turning these situations to his advantage and even getting the baby carriage back that he wanted and that <laughs> happens that, to be a piece of art. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, this come with us. Like, <laughs> Yeah, one thing I noticed too that um, that you sort of have you know, touched on a little bit is um, there's some subtle stories too that happen with just like the sort of costuming and appearance and attitude of people. Um, mm. And we've talked about how they sort of portray the more sensitive side of Norwegians and Norwegian society at times. And something I noticed that was interesting in five that kind of ties into this ending of five, which is so great, is um, so you see from the start, basically up until right before that or right until the end, um, our our little homie Torgir like looks rough. Man. Yeah, he looks rough. Like when he goes to buy the art, he doesn't look good. Like he he's disheveled. Yeah. He's unshaven. He looks like he's been partying too much. Like. Keeping up with Johnny seems to be uh, like it's really like weighing on him. And he looks so out of place at the art gallery and stuff. And um, then at this end, and as we sort of said, it's like you know, a circle. Mm. It's like tied back around. So we're back at the club and Johnny Torgir is in a suit, right? It's a black tie event. Everyone's dressed up. Torgir is now in a suit, not looking that much more clean shaven, but he's much better dressed. And but a little more, yeah. A little more, and he asks Johnny to come sing, and Johnny is singing to Lillehammer, right? Yeah. And they cut, you know, and then it's a montage, and they cut to Sigrid's happy with her car- baby carriage, and yeah. Julie's happy with his kids. Yeah. And Aldo's happy because he knows where Johnny, Frank And is. the hitmen are coming. Yeah, the yeah. hitmen are coming. But, but it's happy. Like, um, everyone's happy. Yeah. Excellent detail about Torin, though, because I, 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 
what I liked about that sequence of him at the art dealer was how out of place he was. And I thought sort of his disheveledness was about that. But the yeah. art guy was kind of all put together with the red glasses and everything was clean and totally, you know, mod. And, and uh, so, but I, it didn't process for me that this, you know, he's now in Johnny's world and is now, you know, he's like boss, you know what I mean? And what all of that entails. It's like, heavy stuff for him. Like he's going from just like a recluse in town, the town deadbeat brother who, totally. you know, is always getting involved in stupid stuff to actually being like a legit baddie, you know? And yeah. And, um, and he's, he also took on more, I feel of the like, retribution of the art. You know, it was, it was on him that he did that and he messed that up. So he was the one that like, hit the art dealer in the face and was violent and was in that position of being like, yeah, I have to now dominate you in this way because of what you did to me. Like it, um, it's an incredible detail you brought up that it's taking a character out of their comfort zone and showing the effect that it has on them. You know, the struggle of in their system of, of where, you know, the environment that they're now in. Yeah. Wonderful character study, for sure. Really is. And so that takes us to uh, the conclusion of this episode and really, really just sets up the end. Uh, I believe, what, we have six, seven, and eight left for this season. So three more episodes. We've got everything happening from twin babies to... Allegedly, some mafiosa figures uh, probably going to show up in Lilyhammer, it sounds like. So we've got three more, Steve. And for the next episode, we're going to watch six and seven and get right up to the penultimate episode of this awesome first season of Lilyhammer. It's been a great discussion on four and five. I'm so glad you're enjoying this, Steve, and we're getting to really look at this and appreciate what I just didn't even realize was the the godfather of streaming shows. Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah, well, <laughs> I am really enjoying this, and I hope everyone at home is enjoying this too, so please watch along episodes six and seven and join us next time on Shows with Friends. That's right. And, of course, don't forget to follow along. Subscribe. Follow us on social media. Mash those buttons with your beautiful fingers and show your appreciation for shows with friends. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts. And there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.